want you to uh, think with me for a moment. What if church was a place that people wanted to go? What if all over this city, um, men and women, young married folks, singles, students, children, when they got up on Sunday morning, the first thing they said is, today is church day. And they couldn't wait to get to church. You think that's possible? Good answer. It was once that way. Back when Jesus walked the earth, people couldn't wait to see him. In fact, they didn't wait for Jesus to make it to their town. They would hear that Jesus was in the country, and they would just take off walking. It didn't matter how far it was. They didn't think about what they were going to wear, what they were going to eat, where they were going to stay. They just heard that this Jesus guy was somebody you didn't want to miss. And so they were going to do whatever they could to get to where Jesus was. They knew something great was going to happen. They knew that they wanted to be there when it happened. So then, why is it that on Sundays around here, people drive by 5, 10, 15, actually 25, 50, 100 churches in Palestine on their way to the lake or the golf course or the deer stand, and, and they don't even give church a second thought? Why is that? It's, it's not that, you know, they're bad people. Um, it's not that, um, that they hate church. It's just they never give church a second thought. Church is kind of irrelevant to them. It's a non-issue. And see, that's the problem for us who are Christ followers. Jesus was irresistible. No one was ambivalent towards him. No one was on the fence. People either loved Jesus or they hated him, but you had to pay attention to him. You couldn't ignore him. So my question today is, why are people ignoring churches? The church is the body of Christ. We're, we're supposed to be his, his hands, his feet, his, his ears, his mouth. We're supposed to reach out and touch people, and we're supposed to convince people that he's real. And if we're going to function like Jesus did, then we have to build the type of church where people want to come, where Jesus is clearly shown to everybody, but people want to be there. And in order to do that, we've got to drive some stakes into the ground and say, this is what we believe, this is what we do. And today we're going to talk about one of those things. Those, those are called our core values. And the value that we're going to look at today is called biblical authority. If we drift from this one value, this biblical authority value, if we drift from it, we become completely irrelevant, we become completely resistible, and we can't do that. So we're going we're gonna to draw a line, we're going to drive a stake in the ground, we're going to say, this we believe, and this book here that's called the Bible, this is our ultimate authority. We're going to talk about that today. This book was written by men inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. It's God's word to us. It's the ultimate instruction manual for how to do life. If you want um, instructions on marriage, it's in there. If you want business, finances, sexuality, relationships, businesses, partnerships, every facet of life is covered. And I've said this over and over. 95% of what God wants you to do in life is covered in these pages. The other 5% you get as you read God's word and as you apply it to your lives. So here's the, here's the deal today. Life is as good as it's going to get as we submit to, as we come under the authority of this book. So, let's talk about a couple of things, just a couple of statements today. Number one, this is on your listening guide. Everyone has an authority. Whether you like it or not, you have an authority in your life. That authority might be you. That authority might be someone else that you value highly. And, and the sad thing is, when your authority has no more vision of the future, has no more knowledge of what's going to happen to tomorrow or the day after or six months from now than you do. And it reminds me of, of you know, I used to play football back in high school and, and I've been in the, the press box and it's kind of a cool thing to be in the press box. You ever wonder why they have coaches up in the press box? 
Why don't they have coaches in the parking lot? Because you can't see the players. It, it, their opinion is irrelevant if they're in the parking lot. So the guys up there, they have these headsets and they're talking to the guys up there because from the from way up in the sky, you can have a better perspective of what's going on. When you're down on the sidelines, there's all these guys running around. It's so hard to see. So you put somebody up in the press box who has a different perspective and they say, hey, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? But what we do, what you and I do, we have these people who have no vision of our lives, no perspective of God's vision for our lives, no understanding of tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, whatever. And we allow those people to have influence on us. It makes as much sense as as allowing somebody in the parking lot to tell you how to run your football team. I don't understand that. It would offer no help at all. It's kind of foolish. So when we start talking about this authority thing, being under God's authority, people start to squirm. Happens every time. Every time I come back to this, people start going, oh, we don't like the word authority. Why? Because I don't want anybody telling me what to do. How many of you love to have somebody tell you what to do? It's your fave. It's one of the things you're going to list is what you're thankful for this Thanksgiving. You love having people tell you what to do? No. And you remember when we were teenagers? What was the thing you wanted most of all when you were a teenager? Freedom to get out of the house so mom and dad would no longer be able to tell me what to do. Boy, would we be free! And we were wrong. Dude, were we wrong. Because since I left home, I've increasingly had people invading my life telling me what to do. Let me just give you some examples. Every year, April 15th, is that an optional deadline? No, and, and, you know, even if you decide you're going to put it off, you know, you still have to, to create another deadline. And, and what is that? What is the deadline? It's the government telling me what that I need to do. When I'm in my car, this happened to me yesterday. I was out here at the church, just filling up the baptistry and doing some things. And I drove home. I cut through town. I was going down Crockett Road. I don't understand. My Durango is a big red vehicle. I don't understand why you all can't see it. People can't see it. They pull out in front of me all the time. I'm pulling a trailer. Both of my mowers are big orange mowers. People pull out in front of me all the time. I'm like, what are you doing? But I'll tell you what. Mr. Policeman can see my car. <laughs> Y'all can't, but, but the law can. Now, I'm driving down Crockett Road, and, and I see Mr. Policeman coming. I don't think it was Ricky. He would have pulled around just to mess with me. But, but th- what is the first thing I do? I, I let off the gas because I thought, dude, I don't know. And then I look down, I'm like four miles per hour under the speed limit, and I just smile. And the dude turns around, I'm like, nuh-uh, uh-uh. Don't you go there. And he pulls over the guy behind me, and I was like, yes, thank you. Now, why do I do that? Why do you do that? Because Mr. Law Enforcement Officer is reminding me to do something that someone else is telling me to do, right? Every month... The electric company, the mortgage company, the cell phone company sends me these friendly reminders in the mail telling me that I have to do something that I don't necessarily want to do, right? We all have authorities in our lives. To only have my parents telling me what to do. Oh my goodness. That would be freedom, right? We all have this desire for freedom. What that really means is We want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, with no consequences. And if you boil it down even further, you want freedom, but you want everybody else to be controlled by laws and rules and regulations. You want everybody else to follow the law, you just don't want to have to if it's not convenient. Am I right? Anyone? Okay. 
Well, when you stop and, and consider the life of Jesus, you discover that his, his life was this illustration of a very powerful principle that you won't hear anywhere outside the walls of the church. And here it is. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority. Maximum freedom is found under God's authority. And I just read this this week and I highlighted and I thought that I really needed to share it with you today. Um, has nothing, it, it's not part of the sermon, it is now, but it wasn't part of what I wrote down here. Because I thought this went along with what I was going to try to teach you today. Uh, this book is the power of, a, of praying through the Bible. And so every day I pull it up and, and there's a, like this one was Jeremiah 35. And, and what's really been cool to me is, you know, I like to read a lot. And so if, if she says go to Jeremiah 35 and yesterday's reading was like Jeremiah 12, I tend to read all of that in between or at least, you know, get the good sections. And man, God's just really been reminding me of stuff. In Jeremiah 35, it says this. Therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. Listen. This is the whole devotional right here. Therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. Listen. This is not a complicated direction God is giving his people. Can't be any simpler than that. Listen, he said to them. He said it then, he says it today. God wants us to listen to him only. That's why we have to be discerning about what we allow into our minds. If we don't take control of our minds and our lives... The devil will. That's why you must be diligent to monitor what you allow into your mind. What TV shows, magazines, books do you look at? What music, radio programs, or CDs do you listen to? Do they fill your mind with godly thoughts and feed your spirit so you feel enriched, clear-minded, peaceful, and blessed? Or do they deplete you and leave you feeling empty, confused, anxious, and fearful? God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. When we fill our minds with God's word and godly books and magazines written by people in whom God's spirit resides and we listen to music that praises and glorifies him, we leave no room for the enemy's propaganda. So what I want to remind you today is listen. Listen to what God has to say to you. Maximum authority is found under, maximum freedom is found under his authority. In John chapter 5, Jesus is having um, a confrontation with religious people. It's a Sabbath day and he's just healed a man. And evidently that ticked off the religious people because they were mad that Jesus would dare work on the Sabbath. As if the son of God who helped create the whole universe, everything we see, create you and me, as if it's work for him to say, be healed. But he did it on purpose to kind of pick this fight with them to show them there's a difference between religion and relationship. And and there's a difference in this whole authority thing. Look what Jesus says in verse 30 of of chapter 5, John chapter 5. I can do nothing on my own what? authority. I judge only as God tells me. So my judgment is right because I am not trying to do what I want, but only what he who sent me wants. This is so rich. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, I have an ultimate authority. His name is God. This is going to work. There's another one. So Jesus is saying, and I don't care about good luck and bad luck. I don't believe in that trash. Because I'm under God's authority. So, Jesus is saying, you guys don't understand. Y'all can have all your rules and regulations you want to. All I'm going to do with my life is whatever God, whatever I see God doing, I'm going to join him. Whatever God says to do, I'm going to do what God says to do. I'm not trying to please y'all, I'm trying to please God. And so I'm going to be under his authority. And this allowed Jesus to be the freest person on the planet. The freest person who ever lived. He got to choose a couple of things that you and I don't get to choose. Jesus got to choose when and where he was going to lay down his life. And he got to choose when he was going to bring it back again. Anybody, anybody have that, that freedom? 
I'd love to know when, you know, pick my date of my death and just have a little button, come back, like right before April 15th and then right after. Sorry, I wasn't here, you know. You got no authority over me. Wouldn't that be sweet? Jesus had maximum freedom because he lived under God's authority. I want you to think about right before Jesus was going to die. He, he has this whole confrontation with um, Pilate. It's found in John chapter 19. And uh, what has happened is Pilate has already beaten Jesus. He's already taken him out there and said, Should, I've found nothing wrong with this man. And they said, oh, crucify him anyway. And he says, why? What has he done? And then they said something to him. It freaked Pilate out. They said, our law says... Because he claimed to be the son of God, he should die. And when they said son of God, Pilate freaks out because he's starting to go, Oh, I don't know with whom I'm messing today. So he takes Jesus back in and he says, Where are you from? And Jesus doesn't answer. And look what he says, John 19.10. Pilate says to him, Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus, the freest man who ever lived, answered him said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Jesus saying, I know a higher authority than you, Jack. Duck Dynasty guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. This was a picture of Jesus living under the authority of God and it gave him maximum freedom. Now, when we boil it all down, you and I, our goal is to do what pleases us, Right? And God says, that's fine. If you want to do what pleases you, that's fine. But you will pay the consequences. Jesus not only lived under God's authority, but he pointed to the word of God. And he says, this is God's authority as well. Look what he says in Matthew 5, 17. Don't misunderstand why I have come. It isn't to cancel the laws of Moses and the warnings of the prophets. No, I came to fulfill them to make them all come true. Now, Jesus was speaking of the Old Testament because that's the only thing that was written down at the time. He was saying all that stuff that Moses wrote and all those things you've been teaching. I didn't come to get rid of that. I came to fulfill every bit of it, to be under the authority of God's word. He was saying he was submitted to God and he was submitted to the Bible. He was under that authority. And this is huge because if you decide to follow Jesus Christ, it means you have to be under the same authority that he was under. To only look to God and say, I'm going to do whatever God says. I'm going to do whatever God's doing. And I'm going to be underneath the authority of his word. That's where maximum freedom comes. Second statement. Now, if it's true that maximum freedom comes from being under God's word. Second thing. Everyone can, not will, everyone can reap incredible benefits from being under that authority. Hindsight, we say, is what? 2020. Do you know why? Because in essence, after the fact, we're getting God's perspective on things. We go through a tough situation, often brought on by our own stupid choices, right? Then we look back on the whole deal and we see exactly why we shouldn't have gone down that path. Wouldn't it have been helpful to know that ahead of time? Right? Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Being under God's authority, here's a couple of side uh, benefits. Live a life free from regret. According to the Bible, you don't have to live in a vacuum. You don't have to go live in a monastery to live an effective Christian life. You just have to be under the authority of God's word. Here's what I quoted last week when Hannah got her award. Psalm 119, 9 and 11 says, Young people can live a life, a clean life by obeying your word. I treasure your word above all else. It keeps me from sinning against you. The Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then he answers the question by keeping according to your word. Your word I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. Venture outside of God's authority. 
in the area of sexuality. And after time, you figure out that you're not free, which is what the world's telling you. You're actually in bondage. You gave away a part of your soul. Try finding a marriage partner outside of God's authority. And, and it may work for a little bit, but it doesn't take long to figure out that you've messed up and you've lost a part of your soul. Finances, try doing your finances outside God's authority. And after a while, you figure out that it's not just debt, it's bondage to someone else. The Bible says the borrower becomes the lender's slave. It's bondage and you give away a part of your soul. It's financial bondage. When you're deep in debt, it feels like you're a slave to someone else. And you are. And you've lost a part of your soul. In Mark 8, 36, Jesus says it this way. I mean, he just spells it out. How does a man benefit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? How many times have you heard a biblical principle and you just go, Oh, if only I had known that 10 years ago, it would have saved me 10 years of heartache. What you're really saying is, had I been under the authority of God, I never would have made this dumb choice that I made in the first place. Every mistake I've made is when I've stepped out from under God's authority. And I'd bet it's the same with you. You would have more freedom today if you'd been under God's authority. So let's understand this. There's a huge difference between believing in and surrendering to authority. If you say, well, I believe in the Bible, I just don't do it all. Actually, you're saying, I don't believe in the Bible. Because there's no such thing in believing in and not surrendering to. It's not, do I believe it? It's, have I surrendered my life to it? That's biblical authority, and that's where I get maximum freedom. If you surrender, if you surrender your life to this authority, one day, we were talking about this in the men's group this morning, one day you'll breathe a huge sigh of relief. If you don't submit to God's authority, one day you'll regret it. God says, my way or regret? My way or regret? Regret. Think of your greatest one. If you could hit the delete button and get rid of it, if you'd been under God's authority, would you have made that choice? The most horrible choice in your life? No. That's benefit number two is, is how, do we, how do we live this life free of regret? Benefit number two. You can see in advance which path to take. See in advance which path to take. Well, how can we do that? Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you. God's talking. I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. Again, when is it most beneficial for God to instruct you? Before you make a decision or after you make a decision? Some of you aren't sure. Before? Okay, just checking. Look at Psalm 143, 8 and tell me when the psalmist is asking for God's help. Tell me in the morning about your love because I trust you. Show me what I should do because my prayers go up to you. When, when is he asking for God's help? In the morning before he even goes through the day. Now, do you ask for God's help in the morning? Or do you have, ask for God's help when you're in a mess? Usually it's when we mess up. We're like, oh, God, save me. Right? And God says, well... If you're a child of his, he says, I've saved you, but you're going to suffer the consequences of your foolish decision because you were out from underneath my authority. It's kind of like this. Um, I've, got a, I've got a slide back there, Miriam. It's the blurred vision. How many of you uh, walk around like that? If you take off your contacts, your glasses, how many of you? I am one of those. Like, like I'll just tell you, there's a gun underneath my bed, and, and if you try to get in my house... 
I'll shoot in your direction. I'm not sure I'm going to see you because I'm blind, but there will be a gun going off, you know, if you try to get in my house uninvited. Now, wouldn't it be more helpful, next slide, the clear vision, wouldn't it be more helpful to see something like that? Well, I have with me a pair of sunglasses today, S-O-N, not S-U-N. These look good on me, don't they? Man, there are no illusions here. I looked in the mirror and I said, oh, wow. Bald-headed man with, with, with yellow glasses on. But here's the point. God says if you will look through his lenses, that he will allow you to see which decisions you're supposed to make. He doesn't give you every detail, but he gives you enough to make one step. And when you take that one step, amazingly, God's light shines on the next step. But you don't get to that step until you obey this one. God's blessing always comes after obedience, not before. So when we put on our sunglasses, we're enabled by God to see what he wants us to do in advance. That allows us to have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I pray this all the time. People come and they want to talk and, and, you know, they're troubled. And and so usually what I'll pray, whether this is there's a death in the family, whether they're struggling in their marriage, whether, you know, they're just under a weight of debt, whatever it is, I pray. And God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, would you would you send that to guard their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus? And I just got to ask you, when you make decisions, major life decisions, is peace that surpasses all understanding usually what you have? Or are you really worried about what the decision is going to bring about? Peace comes from God, comes from being under his authority. if, If you're making a decision and there's no peace there, I would say back up. Because there's a, there's a huge probability you've stepped out from under God's authority and you are not going where God wants you to go. All right, there's another benefit. You get to live a life of meaning and purpose. Now, I, I think about this stuff a lot. Um, where I grew up, um, Burlington Northern, Northern Railroad was just less than a mile from my house. And so to get anywhere in my hometown, you had to cross railroad tracks. I mean, that's just the way you did. And, and it's kind of like downtown here. And one day we were outside, we were playing um, kickball in my front yard, or actually on the, dr- on the road, because our front yards were like as big as this little stage over here, you know. So we would go out in the street, and we would play kickball. And we were playing one day, and I, I never forget, I kicked the ball, and as I'm running to first base, it felt like an earthquake. You know, I was, in, I was seven or eight years old, I don't remember what happened. I mean, I don't remember um, what I was thinking at the time, but what happened was a railroad car had derailed, it was full of propane, when a propane car is going 30, 40 miles an hour and it hits something and it punctures and there's a spark, what happens? Boom. It shook the ground so much that as I'm running to first base, I fall down, skin my knee. And then we all just took off. We, you know, we thought hell had broken loose. We'd heard about, we were all in churches, hellfire and brimstone. We thought hell was coming at us. We just run off and run scared. Well, here's the thing. A train is designed... For what path? What's that? Train tracks. As long as the the train, which was created to run on these tracks, as long as it's on the tracks, what happens? Good stuff or bad stuff? If the train goes off the tracks, what happens? Good stuff or bad stuff? Potentially devastating stuff. So if your Heavenly Father created you to be under His authority and you get out from under that authority, do you think it's going to be good stuff or bad stuff? 
not just bad, but potentially devastating for you and future generations. That's why this Christianity thing is not just an idle deal that we do. In the Old Testament, God says, these words are your life. And if you follow them, God says, I will bless you. Not only give you meaning, but you'll see in advance what you need to do. You'll live a life free of regret. And there's a fourth thing. Leave an impression of Christ on others. John 15, 4 and 5, Jesus says, Stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. Just as a branch cannot produce fruit unless it stays joined to the vine, you cannot produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of fruit, but you cannot do anything without me. So, I I plucked this little branch today. What's going to happen to this branch? Why? What if I stick it in water? What if I put it in a nice cool place, cool dark place? It'll mold and die, right? This is a Christ follower out from underneath God's authority. Your soul will shrivel and die. And here's the thing. The amount of spiritual fruit... The amount of spiritual fruit you produce is in direct proportion to the amount of time you spend under God's authority. Let me, let me show you what the Bible says very clearly. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we, that means Christ followers, who reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Followers of God are to reflect His glory to the watching world. Here's what you're reflecting right now. To the people who are around you, you're reflecting whatever has the most of your time. That's a scary thought, right? Because some of the TV shows we watch, that's not what I want to reflect. I have to admit to you, I watched my first ever episode of Redneck Island the other day. <laughs> and although we were talking about redneck because we took Caleb's deer in, in my Durango... You got to be redneck to throw a tarp in the back of your Durango, chunk a deer in there, and there's blood just running out of it back. We we stopped by Walmart this morning. Caleb looks at it; it's still there. We hadn't washed it off, and he goes, "You know we're redneck when we got deer blood hanging over the bumper of our car." <laughs> if you spend most of your time disregarding God, you're not reflecting God. The scripture says, as we behold him, you only behold him in his word. You only behold him when you are worshiping corporately, when you're in small groups, when you're studying God's word. That's the time you begin to reflect him. And so what God does is, when I'm outside of his authority, he he removes his hand of blessing from me and the image of God is distorted in me. So I don't reflect anything of my maker. What has to happen is I have to step back under that authority. And as as I consistently apply God's word, I begin to look more like Jesus. I begin to sound more like Jesus. I begin to act more like Jesus. And so what happens when a person surrenders God? God takes this person who doesn't look like him at all. He puts his Holy Spirit in that person. As they begin to surrender their life to him, God transforms them to look more like Christ. And they go different places. And when they encounter people, grace flows out of them. Not gross stuff. What happens when people bump into you? Is it grace or is it gross? Usually it's gross. What are you doing? Hit You know, cut somebody off on the road. Do you get grace or do you get gross from them? Right. So when when God begins to transform you and you give someone grace, when they're expecting gross to come out of you, 
You've made just a little impression of Christ on them. That's what we're supposed to do. We do that, we, we, we leave people looking at our Savior and not at us. Now, notice none of these benefits I talked to you about today have anything to do with money, health, or fame. It might, you know, you might have some benefits like that, but probably not. Jesus died without a, di- a dime to his name. He died homeless. The only clothes he had were the clothes on his back, and actually they ripped those off of him and they gambled for him. So he died on the cross with nothing. But the benefits I'm talking about are fully transferable to heaven. Health, wealth, fame, that's not transferable. But these benefits I'm talking about, if you want these types of benefits, you step under God's authority and you allow Him to rock you and to change you. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to admit to you that um, it is so easy to try to go our own way, to get on the wrong path, to turn our backs on you. But today, God, we're just trying to to take a step back towards you. To be reminded that, that if we want the life that you intended for us, you don't grant that to people who thumb their noses at you. You grant that to people who bow the knee and humble themselves. You raise them up and you make them look like Jesus. So change some of us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.